0: And we'll get started. Father God, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that your word is alive and that you speak to us through your word, God. We pray in Jesus' name that you would glorify yourself today, God. God, we're looking to you to speak to us through your spirit, God. So we pray in Jesus' name that you would make your word come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you guys could turn with me quickly. John chapter 10 There's a A word that I had this morning that I believe The the Lord I mean it's something that that hit me this week so I figured it's only fair to share the goodness And uh In John chapter 10 This is a popular verse We know this And I just want to take some time and and, and look at it Because the Lord really opened my eyes to something uh, Earlier this week John chapter 10 Verse 10 Jesus is speaking And he says The thief comes Only to steal And to kill And to destroy I came That they may have life And have it Abundantly Or have it in full Some translations might say So my first Thought And I want to make sure We're all on the same page Who is the thief? Alright Jose gets an A for the day Because it's, it's it's important to know this because he says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And sometimes, especially in, in modern day, when things go wrong, when things are stolen, things are killed, and things are destroyed, God gets the blame for it. When we read right here, we, Jesus says, the thief comes to do that. Those are the works of the enemy. And for a lot of people, especially people that are not born again, will want to blame God for what went wrong. They want to blame God for man. This he, this this happened to me, or this happened to my family, and it's God's fault. And the devil gets off scot-free. And so I want to point that out first. This is these are the works of the thief. This is Satan himself. If you turn to Mark chapter four, and we're going to look at a lot of passages uh, today. Because I love the word of God and I don't really have anything good to say. So we're going to go there. But in Mark chapter 4 is the parable of the sower and Jesus tells us, he says, listen to this. Behold, verse 3. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow and he was sowing Some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now, if you spend any amount of time in the church and heard anybody talk about this passage, we know that what is, what is Jesus likening the ground to, the soil? What is he talking about? What's the soil? Our hearts. And he says that there's different kinds of soil that the seed falls on. He says, but the farmer sows seeds. The farmer sows seeds. That means that the farmer is continually sowing seeds. And some of it lands on good soil. And some of it lands on bad soil. And we see here in Jesus' explanation to his disciples. Verse 13. He said, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all other parables? First of all, Jesus is saying this. Look, if you don't understand this, you're not going to get anything else. This is the basics. These are foundations of understanding the way the kingdom works. And then he says, The sower soul sows the word. These are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. In other words, Satan comes and steals the word that has been sown into people's hearts. Because he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This is what he's like. This is what he does. This is his MO. So it's real easy, and if we're not careful, we'll blame God for it. We'll blame God for what what the, the word that wasn't received. Well, I brought my unsaved family member to church, and the preacher didn't preach that of a message. So it's his fault that they're not saved. I wish so-and-so was preaching today. Aw, oh, man, I, should, I brought him on the wrong Sunday. I mean, we all, we all think like this. People think like this. Who's preaching today? Oh man, I'll bring him next week. Because there's no chance they're going to get saved. People think like this. I, I worked with a, with, a, with a youth ministry uh, downtown, and I remember the way that this, the, the program was, was set up is kids would come in, and we'd take them to the gym, play some games, jump around, and then we split them up. There were four teams, and two teams would go into a bigger gym and play games, and the other two would go play, uh, go to a teaching. And then they'd have like small groups to discuss what was taught. And then halfway through the night, they'd switch, and the other two teams that played games first would go to the teaching, and that's the way that it worked. And the, the rule was, if you were late, past certain time, you couldn't get in. But there was a group of kids that were coming from a church way off in the south side. They were stuck in traffic. The new pastor was on the phone with us. and Sorry, I'm going to be late. And he said, I'm bringing a, 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 a group of kids that have never come before. It's their first time to the program. And it's going to be their only time to the program. He said, they were, just, and they were too young. But we're like, man, he's already on the way with them. So we have to let them in tonight. But we won't let them in again next week. So we were, divvy, we divvied them up before they arrived on the teams and I remember we were talking to, to, to someone who was supposed to be uh, 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 one of our leaders. And they had to be, on. and my thinking, because I think was on this side of the program at the time was, I don't care what time they get here, all the kids are going to the teaching. So that means even if they took the, dr- the drive, they show up and they only get to go to the teaching and the small groups and they only get to play any games, then that's all they get. Because for me, I'm like, well, this is why we're here, right? We're putting on a program so the kids can hear the gospel and get saved. Not so they can play dodgeball. And I remember one of the, the, the leaders, one of the volunteer leaders was, well, no, that's not fair because, you know, they're going to miss the games and then they're not going to want to come back. And I was like, well, who cares if they want to come back? But the reason why we're doing this is so they can hear the gospel. And I remember they said this and they said, I mean, do you actually believe that they can get saved today? And I was like, yeah, you don't? <laughs> like, why are you here? And it just shows the mindset that some people have where it's like, well, people are only going to get saved and people are only going to get touched you know, when it's the specific God. It's, it's the one God. And it's not it's not the Word of the Spirit, it's the God. You know, it's why, like when, when we have guest speakers come in, the place is packed out, there's clothes all over the altar, Nobody put their clothes up here today when they found out I was preaching. I got a onesie. My wife's the only one that believes in me. But I, I say that to say because we, we we'll put the fault and we'll put everything. Oh well, it was on this guy. It was all on the guy. And we never say, "Oh well, man, the enemy is at work." We see it. Why do why do why do bad things still happen? You know, because there's 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 a there's a there's a sect of people out there, there's a there's some of our brothers and sisters, I'll say that. You are born again believers in Jesus Christ, they live holy lives, they love Jesus. And they don't have the whole picture, and neither do we. But some of them are convinced that everything in the world that happens, everything that happens is what God wants to happen. It's God's will. Everything that happens is God's will. And that's what they believe and that's what they teach. And we pray that God would open up their eyes to his character and his love And realize, man, that's not necessarily the case Right now there's children in some part of the world that are being sold into sex slavery We can't believe, you, can, you cannot convince me, I don't care what you say That this is what God wants That this is his will You can't convince me That the enemy is not at work that he's not out to steal, kill, and destroy these little girls' lives. So if we're not careful, we get sucked into blaming God for what the enemy did. If we're, if, if we're not careful... First, turn to First Peter chapter 5. We'll take another passage, just get an idea for, for the way the enemy works, that Jesus already revealed to us. First Peter chapter 5, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Peter is saying that the devil is like a lion. It just goes to show how big of a phony he is. I mean, we know Jesus is the real lion, right? Jesus is Aslan. He's the lion of Judah. And the enemy's going to try to show up like a lion. He prowls around like a lion, doing what? Seeking someone to devour, not something. See, the problem with a lot of people is they'll put the emphasis on the things. Our program's got to be right. We got to have the right, you know, decorations and things like that. The devil is not out to ruin our color schemes in the building. He's out to ruin people. Because that's the only thing that matters. Because and this is why we're doing this house church thing. Because we're trying to get away from the fact that people believe the church is the building. It's the gathering of the people. Yesterday we got together at Montrose Beach. If you ask me, we had church. We prayed, people got baptized, we fellowship. we ate. Because the devil, he knows, he understands the way the kingdom operates. He knows that, the de- that God is investing himself in people, not in things. So it says that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And if you've done any study On lions You'll find out That lions hunt For three kinds of prey The young The weak And the wounded So you get young Believers Young believers that haven't Don't really have any footing They're babies It's not their fault and he's gonna hunt for the young one, why? Because he knows, when it, and this is the thing, if, if you watch like the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, what happens is there'll be like a herd of buffalo or whatever it is, and the lions get themselves in position, and right when they come and attack, what do they do? They chase off the entire herd. Do they think they're gonna catch, you know, the papa buffalo? They know, when, it, when, when, when the pressure is on, every man is for himself, and guess who gets left behind? The little, the little uh, are they called baby buffaloes? I don't know what they're called. The little buffaloes. That's what gets left behind. The young ones. And I, and I challenge us as a church to take on the responsibility for those that are younger than us. That when we know, man, the, de- the devil is out to get them, it's our responsibility. I believe before God and before them, it's our responsibility to to cover them. To be there for them, to encourage them, to walk with them and say, Hey listen, he's coming for you. I'm not going to tell you that he's not. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be here with you, so that when he shows up, you don't have to worry about it. Because I'm with you. We're not going to leave you behind. Jeff always tells the story with his kids, when he sends his kids out to play, but they're, they're, They know the rule, they have to stay in twos And sometimes he'll be in the house And he'll see one, they'll be across the street And he'll see one of them walking back and he yells Leave no man behind Because they understand we, we travel together Jesus sent them out in twos Their strength in numbers I mean The, 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 the devil is going to He's probably going on like a roaring lion Seeking someone to devour He's looking for someone young I mean, we can, we know from people that that have come to this church, that have been a part of our community, that never really got any real foundation, and they're not here. And we know, because they were young. It's because they were young and they just didn't, they didn't, they they didn't have the footing, but I'll say, we need to take responsibility for the fact that they weren't disciples. It's not their fault. You can't, you can't go to an orphanage and blame the kids. Because they, they're, they're malnourished or they don't have food or they don't have clothing. It's not their fault. You can try to put the blame on them all you want. You can go overseas and see the same thing. It's not their fault. Whose fault is it? We blame it on the parents. We saw a video. I put a, a, a link up to a video the other day. of uh, This is like an old uh, case. Like 2010. Where there was a... Uh, a man that was being sentenced to life in prison for molesting this woman's kids and I guess the story went that he had molested her kids and she had, he had beat her That's what he, was. he beat the woman they broke up, she took him back then he molested the kids and then she let the guy move in and she would go to work and leave him with the kids I mean it's a horrible story you can't blame the kids for stuff like this. If you, The reason I posted the clip on my Facebook because the judge let the mother have it. He censored the guy to lie and then turned to the mother and said, this is your fault. You're a despicable woman that you would let this man come and live in your house knowing what he was doing to your kids. And he told her, he says, I wish I could sentence you just like I sentenced him. Because there's, there's a responsibility that comes on the parents to raise up the younger ones. And to a certain degree, we understand this in the natural. Nobody will expect Jubilee to do things that she just can't do. She's only two and a half. But somehow, spiritually, we expect them to be able to do the miraculous without ever being taught, trained, developed. There's a developmental stage. So I, I charge us as a church to be mindful of those that are younger than us. To be mindful of those that the, the, the devil is coming to take. Then there's the weak. There's the young, the weak, and the, and the wounded. The weak are not the same as being young. They can be, but it's not always the same. The weak could be, you know, that buffalo that's, means I mean, he's old. He's just weak. Longevity does not necessarily equal strength. I've been coming to church here for 15 years. That doesn't carry much weight when it comes to maturity and your ability to stand up against the enemy of his attacks. So again, I would charge us as the church to have the responsibility to care for the weak. There's certain things that, and, and even if we go with just the fact that some might be older, and they just... Man, there's just certain things I can't do anymore. You guys remember uh I can't remember his last name, but Mike. You guys remember Mike? He'd be like laid out on the floor, just praying. And I remember there was a time they did like a, a, a week of evangelism in the city, they were up in East Rogers Park and Mike Mike signed up to go with them. I don't even know how old he was. Mike Mike was an older man. And I remember it was they was like, yeah, he made it like an hour or two, like walking up the street and then he was done. Like it's just like he ju- he just couldn't do it anymore, you know. And rather than being like, man, this dude's not pulling his way there's 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 something that happens where it's like, okay, let me come alongside you and help. We'll stay back and we'll pray. You know, there, and and again, I I am a practical guy, so for me, I I think well, what does this look like in the natural? Well, there's certain things if we saw. I'll tell you this, if any of you saw my mother downstairs picking up one of those air conditioners you better help not because I don't think she can do it, but she shouldn't have to do it you know my my mom will tell you it it was all the time she'd be like cleaning the house moving couches and entertainment centers and bookshelves it's like, why are you doing that? you don't have to do that stuff but the enemy's gonna come for the young, he's gonna come for the weak and I think Lately, he's having a field day with the wounded. We just having a conversation yesterday. We had this barbecue yesterday at the beach, Montrose Beach, and and we went to this spot that I always go to when I go to Montrose Beach. And one, we didn't know, I didn't find out until like an hour before I got there, that there was a triathlon taking place at Montrose Beach. So like half the beach was closed because it was packed with people. And the other half was being occupied by a a, a, a men's volleyball tournament. At least that's what it looked like when you got there, until you spent some time there and realized it was actually called the gay men's volleyball tournament. So there's hundreds of homosexual men walking around in their Speedos and whatever, and it was just like, man, this is crazy. And we started talking about, man, people that we've ministered to in the past, that live a homosexual lifestyle and how much of it comes out of being wounded, being hurt by the church. We talked about this one guy in particular that me and Dan were ministering to a couple years back, and he was a homosexual. And I remember he was, we were we were just talking, we were having a Shy City Connects of North, and he walked in and we started talking. And I remember we were just having a conversation, and he mentioned the fact that he was gay. But the way he mentioned it, he said it, and then kind of waited for us to be like, Oh, no, you know? you could tell he was waiting for a response. And we just realized, like, like he could have said he was Mexican. All right, cool. Like, we, we kind of figured that, you know? And then we just kept on talking, and Dan shared his testimony with him. I shared my testimony with him. And then the next month, we had another outreach up there. We called him up, and we said, hey, we're going to be there. You're going to come. He says, I'm coming. He showed up, and he's like, man, I took, like, two buses and a train. I did all these things to get here. Like, great. And we got to hang out, and then he ended up spending uh, Thanksgiving with us because he didn't have his family had completely, like, shunned him because of his lifestyle. And then when we got to know him, he shared his story. At first, it was tattoos and dreadlocks, and he went to a church that was, like, no, Christians don't dress like that They don't do those things So he got kind of, you know, labeled as an outcast. So he felt rejected By his parents, his family were, were leaders in the church So he felt not just rejected by the church itself But by his family as well So he started acting out, he got curious Started messing around Being interested with men Started living a, a homosexual lifestyle And then all the more the church Rejected him They actually embarrassed him The church brought him up in front of the whole church and tried to cast his homosexual spirit out of him. So now the whole church knows that he's a homosexual. The whole church is looking at him with a crooked eye. And then after this, the pastor that called him up when nobody else was around was trying to sleep with him. I mean, you could imagine, man, the lens that he has for the church. That's why he was looking at us with this, what do you, how are you gonna react when you find out that I'm gay? I mean, by God's grace, man, we were able to love him and keep it, we kept, we lost, we just lost touch. He kept changing phone numbers and moving. But man, we were determined, like, look, man, and we told him, bro, we're not like those guys. We're not like them. You know, but there's 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 a, there's a wound that is, that's already in the world but imagine, what about the wounded in the church? What about the wounded that we have here? What about the, the wounded that had left our family because they were wounded? I mean, because when those lions approach the herd, they're not. There's no sympathy for what you've gone through. There's no sympathy for, oh, that was a really tough situation. I'll go after the next wounded guy. It's time to eat. I'm gonna go after whatever I can get. And this is the reality, man. This is, this is the reality of the enemy that we have. Jesus says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I mean, this is what he's out for. And I believe it's our responsibility to be there for the young, the weak, and the wounded. And we know who they are. You know who you are. You know that you're hurt. You know that you're young. It's okay to be young. I, I, I was discipling a guy for a little bit who did not like to be called... A baby Christian or a young believer. He didn't like it. I don't know why. He just had a hard time with him. It's like, what's the big deal? That's what you are. It's like Jubilee doesn't get offended when we're like, you're a two-year-old. Oh no, I don't want to be a two. But you are. You can't change that. <clears throat> it's and and this is how you know that they're young because it's only little kids that say, I'm not a baby anymore. I'm a big girl. Right. Adults don't say that. The the fact that you have to say that shows just really where you're at. So I want to encourage us as a church to be there for the young, the weak, and the wounded. But the second half of this verse, John 10.10, is my favorite part. Because it says, Jesus says, But I come that you may have life and have it in full. And this is this is this is the hope that we have. I want to talk about what, what what this means. What is life and life is full? What does life and life abundantly look like? You know, there's some people, again, brothers and sisters of ours, they love Jesus. That would say, "Well, life and life is full means you no know, no sickness." So that's all we're going to preach. We're, we're only going to preach Divine healing we're going to go evangelizing Evangelizing evangel, Evangelism is actually the proclamation Of the gospel So to just go out and pray for the sick I wouldn't call it evangelism But there's people that This is just what we're going to do We're going to pray for the sick and that's it That is the good news Jesus loves you and he wants to heal your body That is good news, it's true To the cancer patient, that's great news. But I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here when he says, I come that you might have life and have it in full. Because in John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I believe what Jesus is talking about in John 10, 10, is the very fact that we get him. In, 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 the, in the documentary, Furious Love, there's one guy who's being interviewed and he says truth is not a concept, it's a person. I believe it's the same thing. Life and life abundantly is not a, 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 a picture of having a blessed, you know, family and a, and a big house and a good car and the ability to do this and that and the other. I believe having life and having life abundantly is having Jesus Christ himself. That's the reality of it. And if that's not what we're giving people, if we're not giving people Jesus himself, then we're not giving them life. That's just the reality of it. If we're promising people a better life, you can't give them a better life without Jesus. There's a brother that used to come to the live who had a conversation with Benny. He said, has anybody ever told you? Turn to Colossians 3. This guy said that he has Benny. He said, Has anybody ever told you to get a life? And Benny was like, I mean, maybe. I don't, I don't remember. And he said, Somebody told me that. Do you want to know what I said? And he responded to the get a life with Colossians 3, verse 1. He says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Not on the things are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with human glory. When Christ, who is our life, He is our life. So our brother responded, he says, I got a life. I got Jesus. But i I'm, and I'm gonna drill this. I'm gonna, this, the, the, the horse is dead and I'm going to beat it. I'm telling you now. Because I don't think we can get, like, we need to get this in our mind and in our hearts. The very fact that Jesus Christ is life. Not the idea of Jesus, not the idea of what we can get from Jesus, but He Himself is life. There's too many churches that want to sell what He can give. And that's, that's not life. That's why people will come to church and sit in the pews every week and still be dead. Because they don't have Him. Because people come and they want the blessing, they want what he can give them, but they don't want him. The 5,000, I want my needs met, but I don't want you. The 7th in John chapter 6, when Jesus says, you have to eat me and drink my blood. And all the disciples leave, except for the twelve, Because we want what you can give us, but we don't want you. That's the spirit of this age. That's the spirit of the church in this age. We want what we can get from you, but we really don't want you. The very fact to say, Jesus is eternal life. What you get, life abundantly, is Jesus. For some Christians, that's not enough. Because I don't understand that. Give me something tangible. Because they're not willing to pay the price and stake their life on the fact that He is life. They don't need to experience his life. John 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. John 1, 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ is life. So when Jesus says that the thief comes, to steal, kill, and destroy your life. You know what the the solution is? You know what the remedy is for that? Me. That's what Jesus says. The devil is out to ruin your life. You know what the solution is? Me. You get me in return. He's trying to ruin your life. I'm gonna fix it with myself. That's how you get life and life in full. You know, when I was younger, there was too many boneheads out there, man, you know, especially when I was going to church, and it was, man, you know what, that's cool for you, bro, but man, I can't do it because I'm trying to live life to the fullest. If they only understood that life to the fullest is Jesus himself, now the generation is YOLO for all the Twitterites out there. YOLO, Y O L O. you only live once. And then you, use, the generation now uses it as, as an excuse to be goofballs and do stupid things. Because I only live once, man, I gotta enjoy it, right? I say, man, you only live once, don't mess this up. And I'm telling you, man, if we don't get the picture, if we don't get this idea, if we don't get this revelation from heaven, that Jesus Christ is the life, the he is what we want. I don't want what he can give me. I don't want what he can bless my family with. I want him. I mean, if this, is, this is not just, you know, pick up this book at the Christian bookstore and they're going to teach you this stuff. Because this is uncomfortable for people. Because if I'm not experiencing life, it's easier to put it on a, oh, well, you know, God has just got me in the season of the wilderness. God has got me through this season here, and that's how Christians want to talk for the the, the, to excuse the lack that we have. I don't have life, so I'm going to make an excuse as to why I don't, rather than saying I'm not willing to pay the price for it. Because I say this: your inheritance is life. Your inheritance is Jesus Himself. Because he says again Man this is why the devil comes This is what he's out to do And this is what I'm out to do I'm out to give you life To the fullest Yolo. It's just crazy to think though That this is not the way that the church, the church The church in this age Is not satisfied with him It's not satisfied with just Jesus It's not satisfied with He's the only one that we get John 5:26 Jesus says for just as the father has life in himself even so he gave to the son also to have life in himself I mean if you want life guess where you're going to have to go to get it in him It's not he and us it's we got to go in him It's not, I got Jesus in my life. It's like, I need to get into Jesus' life. Because that's where I find life. Because so much of the gospel nowadays is so us-centered. I have Jesus. Well, does he have you? You know, I've I've heard Pastor Steve say once, it's not about whether or not you've accepted Jesus in this life. It's about whether or not Jesus is going to accept you in the next because I mean, he says, get away from me because I never knew you. There will be some that he does not accept. Why? Because they don't have life. First John 1 says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested. And we have seen and testified and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father was manifested to us. Life itself was manifested to us. That's what John is saying. I saw life. It's not something, well, yeah, I'm living life. I saw it. Because life is a person. And if we're not careful, we'll take any cheap substitute. For life itself You could have your best life now You don't need Jesus To pick up the book I mean if, if, if we're not careful We'll settle for any cheap substitute And in my heart My prayer is that, that we would do Everything possible to fight For life 1 John 5 chapter 12 He says, he who has the son has the life. He who does not have the son does not have the life. I mean, it's very clear. This is the gospel message. In its purest form. You don't got Jesus? If you don't have the son, you don't have life. Fact. Because the son is life. Not an idea of the son or what the son can bring. He is life itself. And I'm I'm telling you, and I share this because God is doing something in me where there's this unsatisfactory taste in my mouth with this life. And it's like, man, I need Him. I'm not satisfied with what we've got. I need Him. And I believe that that's when we, we start to become personally revived. When we want revival, we can be personally revived. We can have individual revival in our lives, in our hearts, in our spirits. When we realize this one thing, man, he is all I want. That's it. Nothing else. You know, I, I, I'm learning this now. Because I, I, I see, it. you guys all know the Coulianos and the Gilmore and the Guerrens and the Dave's and the Fabians and these guys that we look at and they come in and we're just like, Man, these dudes, they got they got something, they've tapped into something, and by God's grace, we will too. By God's grace, I'm looking and I'm like, man, you know what it is that they have that I don't have? They understand this: Jesus is everything, He is the life. They're not chasing after anything else but Him. They're not chasing after anything else But the way, the truth, and the life That's why nobody else can come That can get to the Father without Him Because He is life And I want to encourage you guys Thanks man I want to encourage you guys To really just spend time with the Lord Understanding this one thing If we don't have Him, we don't have anything It's as simple as that. You can keep everything else. We can keep the program. You can keep the facility. You can keep the color schemes because we know the devil's not coming for that. He's trying to destroy us. He's coming after the young, the weak, the wounded, right? But Jesus comes that we might have life. I mean, it's it's. It's just amazing to me to see just how he contrasts what the devil is doing with what he's doing. The, again, man, the remedy for the works of the devil is me. I am the solution. It's, get this. It's not my teaching. It's me. We don't, nowhere in the scriptures do we see that the Bible, our Bible is life. Jesus is life. It says the word of life was manifested to us. And that word, the word word is capitalized. Because it's talking about Him. In Him was life. And it was manifested to us. It's not His teachings. So many people, nowadays, we just want to follow His teachings. I want to follow Him. because if if he's not backing it it doesn't carry any weight that's crazy to think and some people might be offended by that but without, without the spirit without Jesus himself backing his word there's no life in it the letter kills the spirit gives life the words alone without the backing of the spirit and the presence of Jesus don't carry weight That's why you have dozens, and dozens, and dozens, and dozens of secular professors at secular colleges, writing systematic theology books, on how they understand what Jesus' teachings are. We're not trying to save people out of darkness into a doctrine, but into life itself. He snatches them out of the enemy's hands and brings them into his family, into life itself, into him. And if we're not content with paying the price to get into Him, we'll never experience life in life before. That's just the reality of it. If it seems like it's too hard and you don't wanna pay the price, then guess what, you're gonna be stuck where you're at. Because the only way to experience life in its fullness is to get Him. And my prayer is, man, that, that this would be the, the, the cry of our hearts as a church. That a cross as cross culture church we would we would burn for him and him only. Again, not for the idea of him or for what he can bring to the table, but for him. He's not an ingredient that we add to our lives. He is life. My life was one way, and now that I got Jesus, it's better. No, my life was filled. And I had no life. Before him, I only experienced death and separation from God. We spent some time Tuesday night with the girls that were getting baptized yesterday, sharing our testimonies. And as each one of them shared, and I shared my testimony, man, guess what this hit me. It was just so apparent, man, our, we did not know life until we met him. Because he is life. It's not because he brought life into the picture, because he is life itself. So I just want to take some time and we'll pray. I know today we have some other things to get done as far as cleaning up here. But let's just take a couple minutes and let's just pray and ask God to reveal to us himself these words that that we're sharing I mean we're reading scriptures here just the reality of the fact that he is the life and if we don't have him we don't have life and man if we're not giving people Jesus we're not giving them life any gospel that is not preaching Jesus as our inheritance is not the gospel it's not good news if if I show up to your church respond to your altar call but I don't get life in the end that's not good news It's only good news when I get to experience Him. He went out of His way and left glory so that we could experience Him. So that we could experience life. Because He knew there was no other way that we could experience life without Him coming. So Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for the revelation we have that Jesus Christ is the life. That life was manifested in Him and through Him. And God, we celebrate today, God, that we do have a life because we have Him. And God, I pray in Jesus' name for our brothers and our sisters, for those that are born again, for those that are desperately trying to to know You, but their eyes are just blinded to this reality, God, that they need You, that He is the prize, that He is life. God, I pray, open up their eyes, God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name for revelation to come, God, as you told uh, Peter in Matthew 16. Blessed are you because flesh and blood did not reveal it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. God, give us revelation, God. Remove the veil before our eyes, oh God. Lord, that we would see you for who you are. Life itself. And God, I pray that we would stop at nothing, that we would stop at nothing, God, and that you would anoint us with your spirit, God, that we would be smothered in, your, in the oil of your presence, God, to work our way deep inside of him, God, that we would experience life, God, that we would stop at nothing, God, that we would pay whatever price needs to be paid to experience life and life is full, because it's our inheritance, God. God, our Savior was was put to death so that we could experience life and life before. full. So, God, I pray in Jesus' name for the grace and the anointing of your Spirit, God, to pay the price to experience life. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint our lips. That when we witness to others, when we share the gospel with others, when we pray for the sick, that we would express to them the reality that Jesus is life, God. Anoint our lips, God, to reveal to them that if they have not the Son, they have not life. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would be able to say, like John said, that life was manifested to us. That we had heard life speak. That we had heard seen life with our own eyes. That we had touched it with our own hands. That we experienced life itself because we experienced Jesus. God, we pray, Lord, for those that have gotten fed up. For those that are weak. That are young. That were wounded. That have walked away, Lord God. We pray in Jesus' name, give them a fresh touch of your spirit today God, give them a fresh touch of life God, remind them of that time when they they actually felt like they knew what life was all about, remind them of that time when everything made sense because they had Him, God, I pray in Jesus' name, bring those things to remembrance God, Lord that they would yearn in their spirits for that experience once again God. That they would know that the death that they experience now will never satisfy. That there's nothing in this world that will ever give them that same feeling of knowing Him and having Him, God. I pray in Jesus' name that you would extend mercy and grace, God. Though they've rejected you and they've turned their backs on you, God. That you would extend mercy and grace, God. The same way you do to us when we do it to you, God. God, that we reject you and turn our backs on you, God. We pray extend mercy. Extend grace, God. We pray for the fire of heaven to come and burn up every bit of counterfeit life that there is, God. That they would see everything that they would put their trust in, and they were staking everything on, God. That they would see it burned up right before their eyes, and the only thing that would be left standing is Jesus Christ Himself, God. That they would know that He is the way, that He is the truth, and the life. God, we look to you to reveal yourself, God. That you will reveal our inheritance to us. That you will reveal the very depths that you went to so that we can experience life and life in full, God. I pray in Jesus' name. Life would be a reality in our hearts and in our spirit, God. Yes, Lord. That we would know you. God, we thank you that you have made Life available to us. Is there anyone that feels like they're just part of the young, the weak, the wounded? They feel you just feel like you're under attack. You feel like the enemy's out to get you, and you feel like you're alone. If you feel like there's nobody else with you, like you're in the back of the pack and you're afraid that you're going to get caught, I want to encourage you to come up and to pray, to ask a prayer. We want to pray with you that God will infuse you with the very life of His Son. Yes. The last thing we want is for anyone that feels like they're under attack to walk out of here feeling like they're going to lose the battle. Because when Jesus revealed the fact that the enemy is out to destroy us, he would be also real the fact that he is here that we would have him that we would experience life Father God we thank you for life we thank you for the revelation of your word and we pray in Jesus name for more God reveal more to us